With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, Canada in control. Semifinal action at the Women's World Hockey Championship in Calgary. Four minutes into the second period. Canada leading Switzerland 2-0. The shots 22-4 in favor of Canada. And they are in the middle here of an extended session of high pressure, keeping the puck in. They jam it into the crease, not quite able to score, but Canada absolutely controlling this game. Likely headed for a showdown with the United States in the gold medal game tomorrow. Other semifinal earlier today, no surprises. The United States shutting out Finland 3-0. Baseball tonight, it's the Blue Jays taking on the Orioles. And in the middle of the fourth, the Orioles lead this one one nothing. We will keep you updated there. Okay, so the Edmonton Elks have been an ongoing story. Another day with no positive COVID tests for the Elks, so that is good news. And they appear to be on track to uh, get back to work later this week and prepare for the Labor Day Classic in Calgary one week from today. So I'm once again happy to talk about the next game on the schedule, and we will have it for you. One week from today, 1 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 2.30. Calgary beaten uh, last night in Winnipeg. When, uh, the Calgary missing a field goal that could have won it on the last play of the game. Turned out to be a pretty exciting finish against the Blue Bombers. So both the Elks and the Stamps will be in desperate need of a victory going into that game on Labor Day Monday. And then, of course, the rematch, the Labor Day rematch, is Saturday, September 11th at 5 o'clock at Commonwealth Stadium. And that's where we'll start today because for Elks home games, we now have a vaccination policy in place in October. Not for the game on September 11th and not for their next home game on September 18th against Winnipeg. And Chris Cresson, the president and CEO of the team, was on Inside Sports with me in this time slot on Friday and said, we have something coming out Monday, and they did indeed announce it Monday morning. By the way, Preston also said in that interview, really basically confirming for the first time that the Elks game in Toronto that was supposed to be played this past Thursday is on the verge of being rescheduled. Of course, there was a lot of concern that that might wind up being a one nothing forfeited loss for the Elks, but Preston did say, um, well, in response to my, my question about other teams adjusting their schedules as well so the Elks and Argos can play, he, uh, he didn't really refute it. He just, he just said that that would be safe, basically said that'd be safe speculation on my part, and uh, they'll be able to work that schedule in. I, I, I think by the end of the week, we're going to have a new date for the Edmonton and Toronto game and other games in the Canadian Football League adjusted. I don't know if there's going to be other Elks games adjusted, but I think there will be other CFL games adjusted so the Elks and the Argos can indeed play that game. So something to remember there. So here's the deal. Start, uh, here's the rest of the Elks home schedule, first of all. I mentioned 
the, the two games in September on consecutive Saturdays, Calgary on the 11th and then Winnipeg on the 18th. And then they don't play a home game until October 15th against Winnipeg. That's when the vaccination policy will go into effect. October 29th, they play Hamilton. November 13th, they play Saskatchewan. And of course, if the Elks host a playoff game, the, uh, the vaccination policy would be in effect for that game as well. Still very early in the season, but given how Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are going, already looks like it's going to be pretty tough for the Elks to get a home game. But we shall see. So as of October 15th, fans, it's sort of like the Oilers policy, OEG's policy for for, uh, Rogers Place. Fans will have to either be fully vaccinated or they will have to show proof of a negative COVID result within 48 hours of the start of the game. So if the game's kicking off like it is on Saturday, September 11th at five, you'll have to show you got a COVID uh, test after five o'clock on Thursday, September 9th to get into Commonwealth to watch the Elks take on the Stampeders as Canada scores to make it three, nothing against Switzerland in the second period of the, their women's semifinal. So Chris Presson once again, spoke over zoom today and he said, okay, or he was asked, okay, this policy is going into effect but why wait until October 15th? We are operating a very large vessel here and uh, trying to turn this large vessel around in the Suez Canal takes some time. Uh, We have 1,600 game day employees and we wanted to make sure that we gave them time to react and to act. We also have a large fan base that needs to act and react to that. And uh, this gives everyone a chance to get done what they need to get done to become organized and frankly helps us to get organized as well so that we can create an efficient environment when we get to October 15th. All right. So that's his explanation as for why this is going to be placed on September 11th. So a couple of home games without a vaccination policy for the Elks, and then it'll be in place on October 15th. So, you know, we, we talked to Preston on Friday about the team vaccination rate. Uh, it, it was just under 80% for players who were double vaxxed. It was 83.5% for, for the double vaxxed plus the single vaxxed players. So with this coming into place for Commonwealth Stadium, I, I think this was the obvious question, and this is what a, a lot of fans have said to me over the past week or so. Why not just make it mandatory for the players? Whether or not you're going to put it in place in in Commonwealth Stadium or not, which they are, and and I think now I've heard people especially say that, well, if you have to be vaccinated to go to a game and be in a group of people, and the people, the the players that you're watching have already had to have a game adjusted uh, because of a COVID outbreak, why not? Isn't it just as important to say that those individuals, that the players are vaccinated and Preston was asked why doesn't the team make it mandatory vaccination for players and the coaches yeah the the players are unionized um coaches and um others are not so they would fall into the category of needing to be fully vaccinated again we have a collective bargain agreement with our players so everything we do has to go through the CFLPA and um that's why from a union perspective um that's not mandated at this point because we can't Right, so this, the CFLPA has a say here in what the employees are being asked to do. So that's a, a big reason why there is no vaccination policy for the players. So what what about the next two home games? Uh, I, I mean, you're going to play four of your seven games at home w- without the vaccination policy. The, the first two games have already been held with no restrictions at all. Uh, will there be any sort of restrictions added into the next two home games? 
No, there's really not. Again, we need to be organized and we need to be efficient in how we do this. And uh, again, the time frame between now and then gives everybody a chance to do it. And uh, the next two games are um, are going to be by the rules that have been in play, which are no restrictions. Again, we've always followed the provincial guidelines and um, we've just made an about face in the last 10 days in order to get us uh, into an area where we're comfortable. We, we need time to do that. All right, so there's some of the nuts and bolts about the vaccination policy for Commonwealth Stadium. Again, it starts October 15th. You'll have to be uh, double vaccinated or show a negative COVID test result taken within 48 hours of the start of the game. One of the things that was discussed last week, how did this happen with the Elks that uh, 13 players got COVID over the past week? Remember, it was 14. They announced over the weekend they had a false positive. So... What happened? How how did this get into the into the dressing room? I, I asked Chris Preston about that on Friday. Have have you been able to trace it? I, I mean, it, it's not necessarily so much about assigning blame or making anybody feel bad, but I do think you want to know. All right, what happened? Did something go wrong? Is it something that can be avoided in the future? And Preston was speaking with Daryl and Morley this morning, and he said, "Yeah, we have found out the origin of the outbreak." You know, we had someone break protocol um, unintentionally and, uh, you know, was trying to take care of his body, had, had a massage therapist, uh, apparently contracted it from her. And then um, beyond that, we have, uh, again, this is where it's challenging, right? And again, that should also hopefully squelch the rumors that guys are out and about and partying and things like that. It, again, it came from from someone outside the organization uh, unintentionally. And again, uh, wives being good wives to their husbands and trying to be uh, all they can be in, in making sure that things are done in tier one. And, and they picked it up and that's how it came into our room. Okay, so uh, there's the answer about how it got into the Elks dressing room. So uh, I'm sure something they will uh, make sure everybody is diligent about here going forward. And Preston was also asked, can you take any extra steps now to ensure that the players are fully aware of and fully following the protocols? We have to get permission from the Players Association um, to do so because now, you know, there's a different quadrant for vaccinated versus unvaccinated personnel, and they can do different things. If you're vaccinated, just like the NHL, you get rewarded and you can do things that the unvaccinated can't. So we would have to go back to the PA to get clarification on that because, you know, it could be termed by the Players Association um, that, you know, maybe we're, we're out of bounds and we're penalizing those that are vaccinated. I think it's more likely that we'll take some extra steps with, you know, potential additional security on the road to make sure that nobody's uh, leaving an area that they shouldn't be leaving. And um, there are other things that we're looking at. All right, so that is the nuts and bolts of the Elks vaccination policy for fans and game day staff. It starts on October 15th. And again, zero positive COVID tests for the Elks for this fourth straight day. So that is uh, really good news. And we'll talk more about the Elks and, and the football side of things. What's going to happen in the week to come with Morley Scott, who's going to hop on between 6.30 and 7. You've probably also been hearing on the news throughout the afternoon that the city of Edmonton is uh, bringing back the mask mandate for... Uh, indoor uh, for for places that are indoors 
I hope I'm putting that eloquently. You know what I'm talking about. Starting this Friday, September 3rd. Now, uh, I have not received confirmation otherwise, but that should include Rogers Place, where uh, you will already have to show proof of vaccination or the negative COVID test to go to an Oilers game or an Oil Kings game. And uh, the, the, way I, the way I understand it now is that you would also have to be masked to attend uh, an event at Rogers Place. So something else to keep in mind. More of a pure sports note. Happy to talk about that as well. This is good news. The Arizona Coyotes have signed Dylan Gunther, Oil King star, to a three-year entry-level contract. Of course, he was taken ninth overall in July in the entry draft. The 18-year-old going into his third season with the Oil Kings in 78 career games. He has 87 points. So good news there for uh, Dylan Gunther. He was the WHL's Rookie of the Year after the 1920 season. How are you doing today? We have a lot to talk about. We'll keep you updated on the Canada-Switzerland game. Now nine minutes left in the second period. Like I said, Canada dominating. It is 3-0. The shots are 20. 9-4. The United States already moving through to the gold medal game with a 3-0 win over Finland. You can get in touch on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Chet. to have you tuning in tonight hope you had a great weekend i want to update something here i originally told you about and i don't expect you to to remember this because it was a while ago this was back on april 15th that uh this story uh first uh well i may have been like i may have been the first person to report this but anyway I, i have an update today the former general manager of the devon golf and conference center Uh, Scott Borsa has pleaded guilty to embezzlement, having taken uh, money electronically from the Devon Golf Club. Now, back in April, he was charged with uh, defrauding the club over $5,000 and charged with theft uh, under $5,000. So I, I was not aware of what the amount involved was. It was over $5,000. Well, that's a pretty wide range. Well, one week ago today, uh, Borsa pleaded guilty to embezzlement of over $846,000 from the Devon Golf Club. I'm going to say that again. He pleaded guilty to embezzlement of a total of over $846,000 from the golf club uh and this uh, money was used uh he he gambled with it the the official statement from the crown prosecutor uh was that he used this to fulfill his gambling addiction uh so about forty one thousand dollars has been paid back to the devon golf club and the the total loss currently sitting at uh, just over eight hundred and five thousand dollars for the golf club now he is going to be sentenced on September 16th, he has voluntarily reported to the remand center as of Friday, and uh, we'll see how much jail time he gets. Uh, I, I believe uh, I've been told it's going to be between 9 and 18 months, but we'll find out September 16th or later. And uh, there could also be a restitution order uh, handed out 
uh, uh, September 16th or later for the uh, for the Devon Golf Club. So yes, uh, uh, Scott Borsa pleading guilty to embezzlement of over eight hundred and forty-six thousand dollars from the Devon Golf Club. So that's the update on that story going back to April. I don't know if you, any of you remember me uh, talking about that. I wasn't sure exactly where it was headed at the time, but that's uh, where it was headed. Uh, a lot of money, and we'll see what he uh, winds up being sentenced to after pleading guilty. That's kind of a big one. Uh, speaking of golf shockers, I have to say, yesterday afternoon. I enjoyed watching the uh, extended playoff be- <laughs> between Cantley and Duchambeau at the uh, at the golf at the BMW Championship, where they just kept going and going and going and went uh, six playoff holes before Cantley finally won it. Basically, he outputted Duchambeau down the way. Basically, he just outputted him down the stretch I, I started watching on the 16th hole I, I think DeChambeau was up a shot and thinking okay I'll watch uh, likely him close this out maybe they'll go to a playoff maybe it'll go one or two holes no they kept going <laughs> they kept going and it was absolutely crazy and at a great display of well I mean clutch shots by both guys for the 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 playoff to to extend like it did but I, I think Cantley, who was being outdriven by DeChambeau, obviously, and had longer putts most of the time. And his putts were a little more harrowing because, you know, if he would have missed, uh, especially during regulation time, he could have been down two, going to 18, or lost it. He had to birdie 18 to tie it. And uh, eventually he pulled out. Pretty exciting stuff, absolutely. I had a good golf experience today. I'll tell you about that as we move along as well. You're welcome to get in touch, 780-496-0063. The email is insidesports at 630ched.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Morley Scott will check in next. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. All right, into the final minute of the second period in Calgary. Women's World Hockey Championship semifinal. Canada leading Switzerland 3-0. Shots are 43-7. 43-7 in favor of Canada. Earlier today in the other semi, the United States beating the Finns. 3-0 gold medal game will be tomorrow. Looks like it's going to be Canada and the United States. Baseball tonight. Orioles and Blue Jays 1-1 in the top of the sixth. And, of course, the announcement today from the Edmonton Elks vaccination policy for Commonwealth Stadium. You have to be double vaxxed to go to games starting October 15th. So that will cover the last uh, three regular season home games for the Elks, October 15th, October 29th, and November 13th. There will be no restrictions of any kind in place for the games coming up on September 11th against Calgary and September 18th against Winnipeg. You can get more on that on 630ched.com or globalnews.ca. The play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elks, who had uh, some travel plans to Toronto called off last week, 
Looks like he's going to be good to go to Calgary to call a game one week from today. Morley Scott is on the line. Morley, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, Reed. How are you? Good. First of all, have hey. you been uh, watching any of the, the uh, women's games? Second period just ended, like I said, 3-0 Canada over Switzerland. Shots 43-7 for Canada. So they have a slight edge is what you're saying, right? They have a slight uh, edge. I have uh, I have not been watching any of it as of yet. I am taping it, though, so I might watch a little bit of it a little bit oh, later. Oh, I'm sorry. I ruined I, it. I ruined no, everything. That's, that's, that's quite all right. I think that the uh, that the, the finish is a foregone conclusion for the semifinal games almost, right? And um, I'm assuming the U.S. I haven't even heard. I'm assuming the U.S. beat Finland this afternoon, right? So, yeah, three zip. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're getting uh, what we all thought we were going to get, right? When we uh, when, when this thing started a couple of weeks ago, and that of course is uh, Canada and the U.S. in the gold medal game, which will uh, be worth getting up uh, and watching from my nap tomorrow afternoon. That's right. I was like, "What are you talking about, Morley? It's in Calgary, not in Europe." But you got to have the afternoon nap, and then yeah. you can watch. It's, you know, women's hockey is, and look in Canada. Well, we we like whenever Canadian athletes win anything, but but hockey is our number one sport. Um, but it, I mean, except for a couple of tournaments where there's been a semifinal upset, it's it's always Canada and the U.S. in the gold medal game. Yeah, some of the, the games are blowouts. I, I think you know some games are are closer, and and I know a lot of times people will say to me, "Well, shouldn't these other countries improve?" And I I always say, "Well, I think over the last two decades or so, the other countries have improved, but so have Canada and the United States." I mean, you can't ask Canada and the United States just like say, "Hey." Don't get any better than you were in 1997. So the other countries did. So that's and why those, there's still and they that they push gap. each other. They push each other so much too, right? Canada and the U.S. They, I think they make each other better, and it and it's really painful for the other countries because of that fact. You know, they they push each other to get better, and then you know they take it out on on all the other countries that are in the tournament. So it's been a lot. I, I was looking it up. This is the 20th year of this tournament, and 18 of the 19 previous tournaments, it's been Canada and the U.S. in the gold medal game. Uh, the exception was last year when uh, Finland was in it with the U.S. and Canada had to uh, settle for the bronze medal. So it's yeah, yeah it's almost a foregone conclusion, really. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and I'm glad they they went to this format though, where they put all the top seeded teams in the same pool, so Canada and the U.S. played. Because I mean, it, it used to be Canada and the United States were in different pools, and yeah. they'd play you know four or five blowouts and then play each other in the gold medal game. At least they have them playing each other a couple of times. And I think you got to appreciate like, hey. Switzerland, uh, you know, was in the top pool, finished fifth, and then beat Russia in the quarterfinal. And you saw how excited they were. So, I mean, to, to, for them, that's progress that they made the semifinals. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it was bad before because, you, as you're right, they were in separate pools. They'd both be four and zero with a goal differential of 38 going into right. into the playoffs. <laughs> right. So, and by All the right. way, I got I, I want to ask you a question, Reed. I, I, I got I, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to change the world a little bit as far as phrasing goes. Oh, great. I'm really, I'm really pushing hard for fully vaxxed instead of double vaxxed. What do you think? Okay. <clears throat> Because you, you're not really, you can't really be double vaxxed, right? You get two shots, which makes you fully vaxxed. You don't have double the amount in you, right? You have. Well, I guess that's a good point. Yes, you're fully vaxxed. So you either. I'm, I'm trying to change the world. I'm fighting against the uh, the double vaxxed phrase. All right. Please, jo please join me, Reed. Please join me. I'll say okay. Yeah, I I, I can try <laughs> to go along with that more. That's uh, that's that's fair. And you've heard me rant about little. 
phrases and things that bother me over the years. So mm-hmm. I'll try to support you there. All right, I appreciate the, that, pal. The Elks asking you to be well. In my even in my notes, I wrote fully vaccinated, Good but I you. probably have said double vaccinated. But I just heard you're you say right. it actually. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so fully vaccinated starting on, on October fifteenth. Uh, I, I gave the rundown there, which which is and the reason I'm glad we're talking about that and about no positive test for the Elks for the last four days is because we can get back to talking about football mm-hmm. and preparing for one of the most exciting games of the season, though it hasn't gone Edmonton's way, I, I think the last eight times they've played it. But how does the week ahead now, at least, and we know things can always change with this, but how does the week ahead now look for the Elks? Well, here's what the situation is. Uh, they ha- were tested today, and if tomorrow morning when those test results come in, and I don't know if you heard this morning, we are talking with uh, Elks uh, President Chris Presson on uh, 6.30 Chid Mornings with Daryl McIntyre, and as we were talking, he got the results in from yesterday on his phone and told us that he just got the results in, that there were no tests. It took it to, to four consecutive days. So tomorrow they're looking for five consecutive days, and they'll then be in a position where their quarantine comes to an end after tomorrow. So as long as they stay clean for this one more day then they'll looks like they'll be allowed to get back on the field get back into into team activities at the stadium on Wednesday and that would be the first step forward uh, I'm pretty sure they would get on the field for a little bit of a uh, little bit of a practice of some sort maybe a walkthrough or something like that I I believe they've been meeting virtually through all this a little bit as well. So uh, they are prepared, and they have been planning for this as, as it hits. So they'll be on the field Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, probably do a walkthrough Sunday before they travel to Calgary for the game on Monday afternoon. So that's the situation as they plan it out right now, of course things change and can change in a hurry so as we found out last weekend right so uh, that's the situation now though they hope to be on the field Wednesday and playing on Monday in Calgary so in terms of preparing for a Monday game is that that doesn't seem to me like that's a huge adjustment in preparation because don't they usually have a day one a day two a day yeah. three and, and, and a walkthrough day or am I off yeah. there a bit and so normally normally they start practice this week on Thursday Right, but also normally they hadn't been in a, in a in a room for ten days in isolation, so they'll get an extra day here of prep. But yeah, normally the prep for Labor Day starts uh, on the field on Thursday with the first day of practice. They'll, they would practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, do the walkthrough on Sunday, and then take the buses down to Calgary. So that's that's you know it's not out of the realm of what they what they've done in past years for this. So they're not losing any time. They're just they just need time, I think, to get into to get conditioning wise to get you know and i'm sure guys were the, the healthy guys were working out and doing some sort of uh, workout while they were in quarantine and in isolation but they still have to you know they've been away for 10 days that's a long time and some of them have been sick through that period so there'll be a, there'll be an issue i think uh, conditioning wise and just getting used to being being physical again which they'll which they'll work out through practice this week all right now and it turned out being 13 players right because they announced yep. on the weekend one of so so 13 players uh, out of this batch um, had COVID. There was Kwaku Boateng before that and two players earlier in the season. But out of this 13, is it not possible that they, they will not all play on on Monday, depending, I, I suppose, on, on their health or how long they've had to quarantine? Or like, are we going to find out who the players were? Will they try to shelter that from being announced? What's going on with those no, guys? No, they will put, they will, uh, after they practice for the first time, they have to put out an injury report. And the injury report will specify what the situation is with that player and, and how much of practice they took part in. It, you know, it's limited. It's did not participate or full, right? And uh, they will they will mention that. And then they mention the reason why. And if it's COVID, they'll 
they'll put COVID protocols, and that could mean anything from a positive test to uh, to uh, a false positive test to uh, close contact to to whatever. And so they'll be on the on the COVID protocol list, and and that's that's all we'll get about it. We won't know if if they tested positive or what the situation is, but you know, simple math will tell you that the players that that are, you know, and I'm sure there are players who who aren't over it yet who are still sick a little bit and and won't be on the field this week and probably won't play in the game but we won't find out who those players are until practices begin later this week okay and so now with with the riders and the elks announcements today every cfl team says you have to be fully vaxxed to go to a game yeah i believe the only uh, major sports team in canada that has not made any kind of announcement now is the ottawa senators i believe they are the only team okay. in in uh, pro sports in Canada that have uh, made that have not made any kind of an announcement and I, I understand it's coming from what I read last week so yeah everybody in the well, CFL though the mandate is you must be fully vaxxed or show a uh, negative uh, COVID test okay because the riders announced it at the same time I think this morning as the Elks so they basically yeah, and they're going to be well, a little earlier they're they're uh, they're in mid-September when they move their uh, move their plan into place so it's going to be a different kind of rollout uh, the Elks chose to go in October because it gives first off uh, as Chris Preston said they have about 1600 game day staff so it gives them chance to to get themselves vaccinated because they can't work if they're not vaccinated fully and it also gives um, everybody else who who wants to get vaccinated even players or whatever uh, to have the opportunity to get it done before then because you know you have to first you have to book your appointment right then you have to wait what is it six weeks four four to six weeks before you get your second shot and then that you're not considered fully vaccinated in two two weeks after that so even if uh you know i mean in saskatchewan right now if if you wanted to go to that game in mid-september you couldn't and you weren't vaccinated at all you could not go to it because you can't you'd have to get the the negative covid test i guess but you, you doesn't give you enough time to get fully vaccinated going into that game okay morley scott joining us on inside sports play-by-play voice for edmonton elks morning sports anchor here on 6 30 chet as we are starting to get you ready for the labor day classic sounds uh i'm getting a little excited here i'm pretty optimistic now that the game is going to be played because as you know morley i was uh uh well i wasn't pessimistic but i i was telling everybody the best and worst case scenarios last week and then a worst case scenario would have meant that labor day could have been affected as well if there would have been ongoing COVID tests for the elks so on the field we have seen plenty of Labor Days, uh, maybe not, uh, maybe not always. Well, well, basically the last, uh, I don't know, ten years or so at least. Uh, Calgary's usually been pretty good going into Labor Day. Yeah. Some of those years, Edmonton has been good, and they're playing for first or second place. Other years, the 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 team's been struggling. Well, this year they're very close in the standings, but there have not been a Labor Days, uh, a lot of Labor Days where the two teams have been playing to get out of the basement in the CFL West, but that is going to be the situation. Yeah, well, obviously, just because of the situation, it'll be the lowest win totals of, of any Labor Day game with each team having one win, but that's more a product of, of delaying the schedule and everything than anything else. But yeah, being where they are in the standings, it hasn't really happened. I mean, there's been there's been a couple of Labor Days uh, in, in my time, and that's the last 10 Labor Days, where, uh, you know, basically the winner moves into first place. And I know there was that, the one year, I think both teams, I think it was, was it 2012? I'm not, I, I'm, uh, the, the dates are kind of running together, but I, th- I believe they were tied going into the games and the Stampeders won both games because of a last minute field goal I think Grant Shaw hit the pipe on one and then right. in, in a in a in a ferocious windstorm in the uh, in in the other in game in Calgary he just missed and hit the pipe I think at the game at Edmonton and I think 
I don't know if, if uh, Edmonton won. I think they won one game the rest of the way after that. And uh, Calgary went on a big run and ended up finishing first place. And you, you think about the whole season swung on those two field goals on the final play of the game, both on Labor Day and then on the rematch game. So, yeah, there's there's been some real beauties. And there's been and it's always been kind of a, uh, a momentum turner for both franchises. Um, Edmonton's really struggled in this game, though. I mean, I've been doing games for 10 years now, Reed, and I've got one win under my belt on Labor Day, and that was my second year, I believe it was. So Yeah, I, uh, I just yeah. brought up the, the first one you called was 52-5 for the Stampeders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tough, tough, tough afternoon. <laughs> that was not a good game. Uh, I believe the, the, the horse was exhausted at the end of that game, as I recall, <laughs> running up and down the sidelines after touchdown. Calgary's interesting because they go. I mean, they brought in this young quarterback, and he looks pretty good. And to me, that's that's the story of the Stampeders in, in the yep. Huffnagel era, which goes Just back one I, after I think, another, about fifteen. Eh? It's one like because sometimes you look at the stamps, and it's like, oh well, oh, oh Joffrey Reynolds is retiring. Oh, there's John Cornish. John Cornish is retiring. Like I, you know, I, I guess you know, Kerry isn't as established, but he's still a pretty good running back. And then Bo Levi goes down, and you think. Oh, well, they're not going to be able to move the ball. Well, the kid struggled for one quarter, and since then he's looked pretty good. Yeah, what did he go seventeen for seventeen in the first half uh, yeah. on the weekend? I mean, he was he's he's been pretty good, and it's just amazing when you think about it. Going back, you know, uh, they m- m- you know Jake Mayer looks pretty good. You go back, you got Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, Drew Tate had some success there. Henry Burris. I mean, it's just been a really smooth transition through through the quarterbacking that the Calgary Stampeders have had. They just be able to find find the right guys who can fit their system, and they can plug them in. And every time you think that ah, oh, this is not going to work, it it ends up working how many times in the last especially in the last four or five years have have the pundits gone into a cfl season go this is the year that calgary is going to take a step back and they never do really i mean i mean the step back was finishing second instead of first right that's it right. so um they're 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 really good at what they do in finding players to replace players they always seem to have that guy that next guy teed up and ready to go when they lose to john cornish or when bo levi mitchell gets hurt or when they when you know when they make the trade uh, in, and trade away a guy or lose a guy by a free agency I mean, you never see them go out in free agency and, and and sign big names either they 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 scout and they bring guys in and and groom them and they're ready when they need them okay and before i let you go calvin mccarty that was a big story when he retired and then that was a big story when oh not only is he coming out of retirement he's going to play for calgary after what yeah. 13 years in green and gold but he has has he played at all for the stamps uh, not yet, not yet. He had to okay. do quarantine, and uh, he hasn't played yet, and so maybe his first game will be against Edmonton. I'm not sure. I mean, it was the perfect situation for everybody involved there. I don't think Kelvin, I'll, I'll, I'll use a phrase that James Wilder Jr. used when we're talking about his retirement from in during 2020. He said, I had one foot in and one foot out, and I wanted to bring my other foot back in, but I didn't have the, then he got the offer and ended up doing it. I think Kelvin was kind of in the same position, and Calgary needed somebody. They needed, because uh, power went down with the Achilles injury, they needed somebody who was close, who was smart enough to pick up the system, and who was available. And Calvin McCarty fit the bill. They made a call and said, hey, uh, what are you thinking? And he says, yeah, I'll do that. And and off he goes to Calgary, did his quarantine, and uh, joined the team for practice. Had, I know he was on the injured list last week uh, uh, for some time during practice. So maybe he's ready to uh, maybe he's ready to go, and his first game in red and white will be against green and gold, which is just, just plain weird, just plain weird for a guy who was, at the time, the longest-surfing member of this, uh, of this football team at, uh, after 13 years. All right. 
That'll be one of many storylines to watch. Morley, thanks for doing this. I know you either got to get to bed or catch up on whatever's on the PVR. Thanks for checking in. <laughs> Heading back down to the PVR as we speak, Reed. There we go. That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Elks here on 6.30, Chet. So a lot of storylines for Labor Day. Maybe McCarty debuts for the Stamps against the Elks. And uh, like he said, the records of these two teams, uh, not great. Elks are one and two. Calgary now one and three. Their point differential is only minus five, but they do have only a win on uh, the season. BC bumped its record up to two and two with that win in Ottawa. So it certainly is a fight to stay alive. And there's no guarantee. I mean, we've seen it happen a lot, but no guarantee that the West is going to get the uh, the crossover spot. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Get four teams into the playoffs. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Two minutes into the third period now in Calgary, Canada still leading Switzerland 3-0 semifinal Women's World Hockey Championship. I think I'm more interested in the shots on goal than the final score. Canada will win. I want to see how many shots they get and what the differential is. Right now, 44-8. 44-8, Canada with the advantage in shots against Switzerland. Earlier today, the United States winning 3-0 over Finland. Earlier today, I finally got out and played the golf course that had bring, uh, been bringing you trivia two of the last three weeks here on Inside Sports. We had a lot of fun doing trivia questions, some golf-related, some from other realms of the sports universe. Well, I made that sound really mysterious, didn't I? From other realms of the sports universe. Uh, Kellen, jot that down as another idea for us. The screenplay, outer limits. Screenplay and or comic book, other realms of the sports universe. How are you doing, by the way, Kellen? I'm Kellen? doing Good. How about you, Reed? Like, I mean, it's, Dude, why'd you take yeah. Friday off? What's why'd you need a long weekend? There's one next weekend. <laughs> because it's nice weather out. I've had honestly, I had a family reunion and I had to go out too on Saturday, okay. so that's what I did. So, oh, okay, well, not Friday, but uh, I, I hope you had a good good reunion. Well, no, I, I to, went played. You know, I went played Edmonton Springs this morning. Just uh, it was it's, it's you go on the I went well, I was going out of Edmonton, so you go west on the Yellowhead. And then you go north on the Highway 60 turnoff, and then there's there's a dead end right there, so you got to go west, and then it takes you into the golf course. You got to drive for about three or four minutes there. Yeah, really, it uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed it. Got to meet Sam, the uh, the owner of the course, so that was pretty cool. And uh, nice layout, a lot of water, especially on the front. But uh, you know, once you kind of figure out where it is, uh, you'll be fine. Some some nice uh, scenic, really cool finishing hole that kind of wraps around a big pond. It's a par five, where if you hit a, a perfectly placed tee shot, you, you could really try to go for the green in two, depending on how well you're hitting the ball. I I took the a long way around, even though I hit a decent tee shot. Still was it still wasn't bold enough for me to try to go for the green in two. So that was good. Finally got out and played uh, Edmonton Springs. Thanks to the crew there for welcoming us this morning. All right, we got the news. We got the weather coming up. 
We'll keep you updated on uh, what's going on with Canada and Switzerland. We'll tell you a little bit about NHL participation in the Olympics, and we will dive a little deeper into one of the stories from the weekend. Carolina Hurricanes, the $6.1 million offer sheet to the Canadians, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. What are the Habs going to do? And what about the little rivalry? It's not a little little rivalry. It's It's an actual heated rivalry between the two front offices. And could it even escalate? As a result of this, Brian Wild from Global Montreal will help answer those questions. All coming up. Thanks for listening tonight. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.